Hey everyone, it's Pastor Jacob. Hope this message gives you encouragement, perspective, and revelation from God to give to others. Also, don't forget to follow us on our Instagram page, Fusion Student Media, and also follow me on Instagram, at Jacob underscore Malasa underscore. We hope you enjoy the message. Tonight, I want to talk about a message called Advent. The, the, the context of what the season of Advent means is that usually through November... I think it's November 26th till December the 24th. Uh, most religions will celebrate and and kind of uh, advocate the the things that Jesus brought with his uh, with his birth on Christmas Day, and and usually that's what he brings and what they celebrate is the hope, the love, the joy, and the peace that he brings. Um, but obviously, with our world where it is in 2020, we have something that contrasts to what Jesus brings. Stuff like doubt, fear, despair, and, and chaos. And this message tonight is not just some regular Christmas message. I'm not just going to talk about baby Jesus that you can hold or whatever. But I want to talk about, I want to talk about what you can focus on. I want to talk about something that you can focus on rather than the situation that you're trying to carry. And I want, I want you to really hound into this because as I was preparing it, the Lord was really dealing with me with, with these certain things because Sometimes we focus on stuff that's too familiar and we don't focus on stuff that God is bringing in that is new. And so I want to show you this tonight in these, in these four things I just showed you about hope, love, joy, and peace. I want to show you that tonight in this passage, in these passages and in these points that Jesus brings as he was, you know, born on this earth, Christmas, whatever. Because we love the presence, right? We love, like, what is it, like, just... If you can bank on it yourself, how many of y'all believe that your parents will buy you a PS5 for Christmas? None of y'all can raise your hand, right? Oh, no, 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 that's cap. I don't think most of y'all, what about like, what about like for the girls? What about like the like a really expensive purse or something like that? Like, <laughs> bought me a pair of socks, dog. That's all I need. But, um, but yeah, like, like it's all about the gifts, man. I love the gifts. That's my favorite part. I am impatient though because one time my mom bought me like a really nice acoustic guitar and I was really impatient and I actually found the present. Never told her until Christmas Day. Dude, she was mad. <laughs> she was really upset. She was not happy about me finding out about the present. But uh but but yeah, it's all about the present. It's all about the gifts. But but at the same time, I think I I I I don't know if I should say this, but I really do want to say this in this regard. I don't think God wanted it to make it about Jesus's birth for Christmas. I think I think a lot of times when I look at it now, it looks like he wants to talk to it's really just about us. When you think about like 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 the story of Christmas like cuz cuz I was in a I was in a production at, at Crossroads called The Real Story of Christmas and they had this this slogan and this point of saying that we are the real story of Christmas. Not just not just the stories that we hear about, like Santa Claus or Little Drummer Boy, whatever. He said that we are the real story of Christmas, and I want to and I want to focus that on you tonight, talking about what Jesus brings and what is the opposite of what the world has, and and it's all about focus. This message is all about focus, so I want you to focus in. The first thing I want to talk about is Jesus brings hope in a place of doubt. Jesus brings hope in a place of doubt. And let me tell you this story. You might not believe me. You won't believe me. Um, I One time, I put on roller skates, and I was sliding up a ramp. 
and I did like a backflip, you know, and, and I did a whole 360 over a shark tank. Now, does that sound believable? No. Elijah's <laughs> like, yeah, this sounds believable. That doesn't sound believable. That's just like the most stereotypical thing. Like, oh, I jumped over a shark tank. No biggie. Like, yeah, that's not even, like, you would say to yourself, I doubt that really happened, right? I would say that. I would say like, dude, that is cap. That's not true. I don't think that actually really happened. <laughs> but it, but if I if I would have told the story well, it still wouldn't have made sense, right? Because it just sounds, you just doubt it. You naturally doubt. Even if it sounds convincing, you still doubt it. And I, and I want to show you in, in a place of where you doubt when I talked about how Jesus brought hope. We tend to respond to things that are either too much or too good to be true with doubt. Aren't there a time, wasn't there a moment in your life where there was a moment where you thought, where someone told you something really true and promising, but it sounded too good to be true because you doubted? Or because in that moment it's like, that seems too good to be true. Like, like you getting a PS5 from your parents for Christmas. That's too good to be true. That's too good to be true. Or, or, or the stuff of like, 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 like with, with, with friendships or like with, with people that you love and care about. And, and then they say that they be there for you, but it's like, ah, eh, it's too, it's too good to be true. Because maybe you've been let down in that place before. It, and a lot of times with doubt, it always brings the too, the too good to be true type of thing. And I want to show that to you in this moment because a lot of us struggle with doubt. Doubt's a normal thing. You probably doubt about stuff right now. There's probably stuff about your school, stuff about your family, stuff about maybe if you work somewhere. You have a lot of doubts about a lot of things. I bet you've doubted about God before. I know that's not a big question because I've doubted about God before. But a lot of us doubt a lot of the times, and I want to show you this, um, we struggle to believe it in our lives and in our relationship with God. Like, if, we, if, if things in our life are too good to be true, then sometimes the, our relationship with God seems too good to be true. How God is so loving, God is so caring. Some of us struggle with that of like, I can't trust a God like that. I've seen that before, and I was let down. Why would I trust that again? You have those thoughts. Be real with me. You have those thoughts where it's like, that is too good to be true. I don't think I can really trust that. It seems almost perfect. And, and maybe you've experienced this pain with God where, where he had this hope, but you couldn't trust that. It's almost, it almost seems too good to be true, and you doubt. You struggle with it. You feel hopeless in that situation, and you question your life and your relationship with God. I want to give you this scripture that I think is really going to help you in this moment because, because, because the word of God is true. And if it's true, I believe that this will bring clarity to your life when it comes to the subject of doubt. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That, that, that seems too good to be true. An overflowing hope? Like that's too much. That seems like, it seems like it's, a, it's an amazing thing. But, but it's like, Jacob, I've been through this stuff before. I've seen people promise me stuff and then I get let down. I'm not taking that chance again. Overflowing hope? Really? We have those doubts sometimes where it's like, I don't know. The uncertainty is there. 
And I think a lot of times when we, when we read that type of stuff, even when I read it, it was hard to receive it because it's like, but what if I get let down? Like, like, some, like certain people that, that, that I thought I cared about do that to me. Why would, why would that happen? And, and, and I want to tell you that, that God is, like I talked a while back, I want to reassure you that God is a promise keeper and that his word is true. Now, he always keeps his promises. And with God's promise, he promises us overflowing hope, but we rarely feel that way. When I hear that, it's sometimes it's hard to believe that, that, that God brings this hope, and, and I have to experience it for myself. But I want to read this to you from a certain person in the Bible. Uh, raise your hand if you know who Thomas is in the Bible. You know a few? Like Doubting Thomas, you hear about him saying Doubting Thomas. You know what's funny? His actual name is Didymus. So that would have sounded a lot cooler, Doubting Didymus, rather than Doubting Thomas. I thought that would have sounded a lot cooler because it was like like a 2D thing. It's like Doubting Didymus. I thought it was cool. Um, so, so Thomas was a big doubter in the Bible. He was, he was known for that. He was known for something that he dealt with. He dealt with doubt with Jesus actually raising from the dead. And I, and I want to show this to you in, in John 20, verse 24 through 29. It says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with, with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples came to him. We have seen the Lord. They saw Jesus as a spirit. They saw him almost, obviously not in the flesh because he was in the spirit, but they saw him. They saw him rise again. But Thomas wasn't there. And, and he said to them, he said, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas said, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. This is too good to be true type of mentality. See what I did there? Too good to be true type of thing. Thomas thought this was not real because he did not see it for himself and he's probably been led down before. I realized that even with double with anything in our lives, if it's done too much, It'll be the deficit of what, what, what we go to. If I doubt all the time, then doubt's the first option. If I put fear in my life, fear's the first option. But that's what Thomas did. He doubted, even though, and trust me, he should have seen Jesus. I wish he was there to see him. But, but he doubted first. And people give Thomas flack for doubting first. But, but, but I want to keep reading this and keep showing you some of this stuff. When he said, I will not believe, he wasn't buying it. Verse 26, a week later, Jesus waited a week later. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Through the doors were locked. Jesus literally like faced right through the door, which was dope, and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Verse 27, and he said to Thomas, put your finger here. You see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And, and I want to tell you this is it's probably it's pretty deep and profound if you if you really think about it. I think God wants to tell us in here, stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. Because a lot of times, because a lot of times we want to think if it's extravagant, it's spiritual, but that's not the case. God is just only saying, stop doubting and believe. It's the same equivalent to when Peter walked on the water. Jesus just said, come. He didn't say nothing else. He said, come, and he walked on the water. All Jesus has to say is a word to you. He doesn't have to do anything extravagant. He doesn't have to do anything extra. All he did was he showed Thomas, 
Stop doubting. Look at my hands. Stop doubting. Look at my side. Let me prove it to you. Stop doubting and believe it. Stop doubting. And I think a lot of the times, because I want to stop over all your overthinking, because I don't know if you overthink in this room, but I do. And when, and when, and when, there's, a, when there's a large elaboration of words, I will ha- come up with thousands of questions on how to come up with the solution. But Jesus made it simple. He didn't complicate it. All he said was, stop doubting and believe. That's all he said. He didn't have to say anything explicit, elaborate. He just says, just, just believe in me. Just stop doubting. He made it real simple. He made it real simple. And I think he wants to make it simple in our lives because we overcomplicate things. But God wants you to know, just believe it. Verse 28, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I think, I think, like I said, when they gave Thomas too much flack, I think it's because, because they saw Jesus rise. He didn't see Jesus rise. Think about it. If, if you were in Thomas's shoes and you saw Jesus hanging on that cross, like just picture it. Jesus is hanging on the cross right there. And you saw him get lacerated. You saw him get lashed 39 times. The Bible says Jesus wasn't even recognizable when he was on the cross. He wasn't even, the, he didn't even look the same. And Thomas saw him up there. And he saw him die that way. He saw his flesh was ripped. It, Jesus almost had no flesh at all. It was just, it was just bones and, and, and he was completely scarred. And he wasn't even recognizable. And Thomas saw him up there. And if Thomas, you think you would believe if Jesus was alive, if you saw that? If you saw a loved one like that on a cross like that, suffering like that? No, they dead, dude. They dead. They're gone. Because Thomas wasn't there. Watch in the beginning. Matthew, put back up uh, verse 24. John 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, known as Didymus, was one of the 12 and was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? It's right there. Was not with the disciples. He was not with them. I know that's pretty funny. He was not, he was not with them. So you, so if, if you see someone, if you judge people who doubt, do not judge them because they did not see what you have seen. As a Christian, you cannot judge people for doubting God because they have not seen what we have seen. They have not experienced what I have experienced. Sometimes I ask myself and it's like, I hope these kids are getting something out of my messages, but it's because you haven't experienced what I have experienced. You haven't seen what I've seen. God is real, alive, breathing like, and he has shown himself to me. And I want to tell you that he wants you to stop doubting and believe. And I want to tell you uh, to almost every Christian that thinks they know it all. I'm sorry that you, you doubted the way you doubted. But sometimes doubt is a good thing because it, it, up, it, it, it opens up faith in your heart. That's what doubt does. Sometimes questioning God is the healthiest part for you to understand of who God is in your life. And I want to say I'm sorry to that if you've doubted. Because I've doubted too. But, 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 but I want you to see this because the disciples were kind of in the way of like, uh, Thomas, you should have believed. We saw him. I'm telling you. We saw him. You should believe me in general. But, but, but Thomas, 
Like I said, while some people look negatively at, at Tom, what Thomas did about him doubting and say that he should have believed like the disciples in the first place, Jesus responded differently. Jesus, in compassion and mercy, tells Thomas to put his fingers in the holes in Whoa, I just read that wrong. Thomas told Thomas to put his fingers in the holes in his hands and to touch the wound in his side. And, and when I saw that, I was, like, I was like, why didn't God kind of fuss at him like the disciples did? Because he doubted. He was doing something that, that sometimes God doesn't like. He doesn't like it when we doubt. But, but Jesus doing that made me realize Jesus is not afraid of your doubt. He's not afraid of when you question him. He's not intimidated by your questions. He's really intrigued by how you doubt. And, and when you meet with him, he will prove himself to you. And he wants to replace your doubt with his hope. He wants to replace your doubt with his hope. Uh, the second thing is, is that Jesus brings love in a place of fear. I don't know if you're this type of person. I, I I really am when it comes to, like, like isn't it amazing when someone encourages and blesses you? Like, isn't that a isn't that an amazing thing when someone goes out of their way to bless you or encourage you? Especially if you're in a dark place emotionally. Like that's like that's like the ticket. It's like it's like man, I'm so sad. And then someone comes up. It's like God loves you. Hey, let me take you out to eat this week. Like my face brights up for like five minutes. I'm like, yeah, I want that. That's awesome. And, and nothing's greater than someone getting out of their way to, to do that. But I'm, I also notice that some of us don't experience that at all, that we don't get people that encourage and bless us, and we feel like we're always in a dark place. And it's, like I said, especially if we're in a dark place emotionally, something's great about us being encouraged and us feeling appreciated. Often we let fear keep us from receiving the love others have to offer. But when someone loves us intentionally during those difficult times, it changes our heart and attitude sometimes. Like if someone genuinely cares about me, it changes me for some reason. Like it changes my attitude. Like, like they, genuinely, they genuinely give a crap about me. Like they actually care. Like that's legitimate. And I, and I want you to know that's how God's like. God's intentional with his love. God's intentional with these things. In the same way, we learn to receive God's love. And when we do that, it changes our hearts and it casts out all fear. But, but I want to ask you this. Is fear keeping you from God's love? If so, I think it's because a lot of times fear is familiar to us. What do I mean by that? I mean that fear is what you go to. Like I said, with doubt, fear is what you go to all the time. It's your first to go to. Some of you in here are afraid of stuff that you're not even supposed to be afraid about, and you're afraid of it. And that's what fear does. Fear becomes familiar. You're afraid of making new friends. You're afraid of, of new relationships. You're afraid maybe of leaders in the church. I don't know. You're afraid of something that you really shouldn't be afraid of, but because you know fear, and fear is all you have, it's familiar. It's common to you. It's like, Jacob, fear is all I know. Fear is all I know. And I want to say this phrase that I have on the, on the screen. I think it's next, Matt. Fear is familiar, and the love of God is foreign. 
I think a lot of times, I'm, I'm about to talk to the, to the elephant in the room. I think a lot of us have missed the love of God because we are so familiar with fear. Especially when it comes to how the world, what's going on in the world right now. We're afraid of COVID. We're afraid of the election. We're afraid of all this stuff. But we're not supposed to be afraid of it because God says, fear not, I am with you. Fear not, I am by your side. Fear not, all this stuff. But we still get afraid. Why? Because fear is all you know. Fear is all you know. And I think God wants to change that because you, because I'm telling you, here's the truth. Here's the honest truth. The love of God is always available. The love of God is always available for you. But because we're so afraid, we push it away because it's not familiar. Because it's not normal to us. When you see me loving on you, you see some of the volunteers loving on you. Some of us push that away because we don't know what that is. We don't even know what that is. Love, what's love? Like, some of us don't know what that is because it's foreign to us. I'm afraid of making friends because I don't know what, how they'll think about me. I, will, I don't want to get into a new relationship because I got my heart broken right before that. I ain't doing that again. I've tried that diet. I've tried that course. And you've tried all that stuff. You've tried it. And now fear is just familiar to you. But... I want to show you this, just like I did with the second point. I want to show you this again. I believe, I believe the word of God always clarifies stuff that we deal with. The Bible is like a reassuring thing. It always reassures what we really need to hear. And I think 1 John, 9, uh, 1 John 4, 9 through 12 says it perfectly. Verse 9, this is how God, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Watch this. This is good. This is love. Not that we loved him. Not that we were good people. Not that I did something like, like the man said, what must I do in, to get into the kingdom of heaven like he told Jesus? What must I do? I didn't love God. He loved me first. I didn't have to do anything. God loved me first. Look at this. Not that we love God, but he first loved us. I had nothing to do with God loving me back. I didn't have to earn. I don't earn his love. We get it given to us. I'm telling you, when I talk about how like with my mom, I'm like, mom, why you love me like that? It's like, because I created you or whatever. She makes that whole joke about I'm, I'm, you're my creation or whatever. But God is the same way. Remember when I talked about where you come from? You're from God. Remember when I talked about that just last week? When I say you come from God, that means he loves you. He's created you. So you didn't do anything to get his love. He loved you first. Paul said, Paul said, yeah, while we were still sinning. While we were still sinning. Not when we had it all together. Not when we had all the coolest Christian friends in the world. Not when, not when I knew all my scripture verses back and forth. While I was still in lust, while I was still doing the stuff I knew I wasn't supposed to do, he still died. Think about that. Just let that process in your brain. While I was doing stuff that was against God, God still did it for me. There was this one post. I don't know if y'all follow him. Uh, Justin Bieber made a post a while back. And he said, I know, dude, Justin Bieber. <laughs> Justin Bieber, he's lit. Um, he said, he said, Jesus loves the ones that don't love him back. Jesus loves you no matter if you choose him or not. 
And that's a sad, and, and, and that makes me upset because, because God deserves for us to choose him. But we, sometimes we don't. Let's be, be real with me. Sometimes we don't choose God. We don't choose him. But I want you to know that he loved you first before you ever loved him. Yet he loved you and died for you while you still sinned against him. While you still sin against him in these moments or tomorrow. He still loves you. That's who God is. That's the love of God. So when you're afraid of, of, of letting God love you, trust me, he did it already. Even when you didn't choose him, he chose you. Even when you didn't. Thank you, Jesus. Even when you didn't, he still chose you. Verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us, we ought to love one another. That's the challenge for you guys today, is to love one another. No one has seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. That's real love. That's real love. That's how, if you want to know what love is, that's what it looks like. That's what true love looks like. God sent Jesus to die for us. Real love casts out all fear. Real love casts out all fear. This love that is mentioned in the Bible, it's called agape love. There's different types of Greek words for the word love in the Bible. But, but agape love is, what's funny, the word agape love is the only love that only God can learn. Only God learned this love. The reason why is because it's an unconditional one. It's unconditional love. It's not, it's not some type of, type of commitment love. It's not, he, that means he loved us unconditionally, which means he loved us even though. He loved me even though. He loved me even though what I did last week or what I did a month ago. He loved me even though. He loved me even though. He loved me even. Even if I didn't deserve it. Because I'm going to be honest, I don't. I don't deserve it. I don't look at it as like, I need, like I just, I, I need it. I need the love of God all the time because I, I beat myself up sometimes. And it's hard to receive the love of God because, because all, the, all the other stuff that the Bible talks about, how I shouldn't do this and I shouldn't do that, and it, and it kind of bogs my, I'm being real with y'all. It, 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 I struggle between those things, so it's hard to receive the love of God sometimes when it comes to me trying to obey and love him at the same time. But, but God also said in his word, he said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments, or you'll obey my commands. God's love, I don't deserve it, but he still gave it anyways. He still gave it anyways. This, this kind of love is, is more than affection. It's not a romance or a kinship type of love. This is, guys, this is a love that transforms us. This is not a love that's just like, ooh, butterflies in the stomach type of love. Like, like, like the relationship or boyfriend-girlfriend thing. This is, this is a love that changes me. And it changes you. I can tell you from my volunteers, from me, from people in the church that have been in church for a while, they can tell you, God's love changed them. God's love changed me, man. It changed me. And I wonder if it can change you. And I believe at the same time it can change you. God's love casts out all your fear. It can cast out all your fear. Scripture even says that if we do have fear in the presence of his love, it's a fear of punishment. Because if we're still experiencing fear, that means we haven't experienced his perfect love yet. 
So I want you to, I want you to, cha- I want to challenge you in that spot. And I want you to evaluate. If you get into his love, do you feel that way? Do you still feel fear when you're in his love? If, if you do still feel fear, you still haven't experienced it yet. And I want you to experience it. The third thing I want to talk about is Jesus brings joy in a place of despair. Jesus brings joy in a place of despair. Um, when, I, when I talked about my mental health, I, I, when it comes to that stuff, when I, talk, when I talk about that stuff, I'm a very vulnerable person. I wear my heart on my sleeve. So anything, I'm not afraid to tell you how I feel or what I deal with. I just, I'm learning to do that, not say a ton of stuff all the time. Cause it's like, okay, not everybody needs to hear that. That's just too much junk, right? But um, but 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 that was my despair. That was my despair. That was the place that I was in. And and when I I realized this, because we go to people for stuff when we deal with these types of things. I went to so many people when I was when I was dealing with my with a broken heart. I had it was a it was a bad depression. It was for a few months. I, I never told anybody about it, and 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 I went to I went to my mom like because because my mom, she, yeah, she's my mom. Yeah, I just literally said that she's my mom, but she's also my spiritual mom, which means like I go to her for a lot of stuff when when I'm dealing with certain things, and she's like that person that I can go to. Same thing with with Miss Tina, uh, the kids kids life director. Like I can go to her to to certain type of stuff because she's really good at that stuff, and I know her personally. But this is what I realized. It wasn't them that was going to fix me. It wasn't them that was going to get me out of my despair. That wasn't the people that was going to get me out of it. This was God's, this was God's job. This was God's business to finish, to fix with. It wasn't Tina. It wasn't my mom. It wasn't Pastor Brandon. This was Jesus' business. And I had to bring it to him one night. And I said, and I said Lord, deliver me from this. I, I, I prayed for a little while that night. I prayed a little bit longer than I usually did. And, and, and I was really, cause I was really wanting it. When you really want something, you'll pray for a while. When you really want to get free from something, you'll pray for a while. And I prayed for the longest time. I was like, Lord, deliver me from this. And not immediate, but day after day, I was getting set free from the heart, from the broken heart. I was getting set free. Y'all raise your heads, please, Logan and Greg. Y'all raise your heads. I was getting, I was getting set free day to day because it's a focus. Remember when I said in the beginning how I wanted to talk about how this message is a focus type of thing? It's all about focus. It's about what you focus on because the world can make you focus on a whole bunch of stuff, thousands of stuff. But, but when it comes to, when it comes to this stuff, this is what you should really focus on. I was so focused on my loneliness and despair and God showed me, I want to deliver you and let you focus on something else. And so, cause God doesn't just set us free. He sets us free and puts us on a path. So when, so when I was in that moment of deliverance, I was refocusing what I was, should have been focused on all, all along. I was, I was focusing on the wrong stuff. So in my despair, God met me, delivered me, and now I get to focus on joy that comes in the morning. I get to focus on joy that is all the time. It's not like happiness. Happiness and joy are two different things. Happiness is happeningness. It's only good when it's convenient. That's what happiness is. But joy is at all the time. When I say all the time, I mean even in a, in a, in a, in a depressing situation, joy is still there. Even in a sad moment, joy is still there. 
Because it's a focus. It's what you focus on that sets the situation. There was a phrase that this pastor said that I want to, that I want to tell you. He said, he said, you can always contradict your circumstance with what you confess. You can always contradict what part of if you're in a situation of fear you can contradict it with your confession of love if you're in a moment where you're in despair it's a situation of despair you can contradict it with your confession of joy it's about what you focus on and what you confess and that's what joy does yes there's 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 sadness in the night but joy comes in the morning that's what the lord promises for his children for his people that we get to experience joy in the morning And I had to decide to be delivered from what I was dealing with. And I chose joy that time. See, God's giving you, God, you have joy. You have hope. You have love. Are you going to choose it? That's the key. Because guess what? God is not just a hold your hand the whole time type of God. He's a God that wants you to walk. He's a God that wants you to walk in your choices and walk in your decisions. The Bible says that we should be good stewards of what we have. And I know, it, I know we usually use it around money, but I think it's for everything. Like, I think, I think God wants you to be a good steward of your decisions. I think God wants you to be a good steward of what you choose to do, of what you choose when you're in a bad moment. I think joy and all that stuff, you can choose those things. And we can, I think you can relate to me in those moments of feeling like I'm in despair. When it feels like you've hit rock bottom and nothing else you can hold on to, you think, can I ever be happy again? I want, you, I want to read you Psalm 34, 17 through 20. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. The Lord hears you. When, when you cry out, he hears you. Even though you don't hear him and you get defeated when you don't hear anything, God still hears you. The Bible also says that, 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 that the Lord interprets our groans. What that means is, is that even if you don't have anything to say when you pray and you're groaning and you're trying and you're frustrated and you're trying to get something out, Jesus interprets that. Jesus interprets your pain. He interprets, that means he understands what you're saying, even though you have nothing to say at all. Wow. He still hears even when you don't say anything. He still hears you when you don't say anything. And and I think some of us have to realize that, that the Lord hears no matter what it is, no matter what comes out of your mouth, whether it's the thouest, the Lord, or holy crap, I'm in a bind. God hears everything that you say. He interprets your groans. He interprets what you're feeling. He interprets that. Verse 18 the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. I've preached this a couple of times. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all of his bones. Not one of them will be broken. It's an encouraging thing to hear that because God is our, is our, is our spiritual doctor he wants to do he doesn't care about your external stuff he wants to have heart surgery with you he wants to deal with your heart he doesn't want to deal with what you do on a regular basis he wants to focus on something that's the root of all of that because you know how you know how people are they're just like oh praise the lord that's why i don't smoke that's why i don't do all that stuff the bible doesn't talk about cigarettes i don't know why people just overthrow that but 
But but but he's not. But Jesus is not looking to focus on the external stuff. He didn't tell the the tax collector to stop tax collecting. Y'all look dumb. You look stupid. Like that's not what he did. He ate with them and he focused on their heart rather than what they did. Because if if Jesus focused on all what I did, oh, I wouldn't. I I would be so discouraged with the stuff that he would tell me about what I do. But he wants to focus on your heart. Because your heart is more important, and it's the root of everything. You're, you you have a right. You have a you have a when you're when you're born again. You have a you have a what is it called? What is it in the Bible? Uh, a a pure heart, or or a, or a, or a, a new heart, or whatever it was called. But he also talks about your wicked heart. He talks about both, and that's why God wants to focus on your heart because your heart is new and pure, but it's also wicked which means it's the root of what of why you do what you do. It's your heart. So, so God's not going to be like, stop vaping, stop it. But what he's going to say is he wants to look at where your heart's at rather than what you're doing. I'm not saying you should get away with doing drugs or whatever. Don't do that, please. That's not good for you. <laughs> but, 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 but he would rather focus on the internal stuff and then the external stuff will have its place. But he wants to focus on something that's in you. And so he wants to focus on your heart. He wants to focus on the internal stuff. That's what he wants to focus on. He wants to come to your aid and do heart surgery on you. The final thing, we're almost done. I'm almost finished. It's not even 8 o'clock. I'm good. The fourth thing I want to say is Jesus brings peace in a place of chaos. You know, okay, so the most chaotic thing out of this year, not this year because 2020 is a lot of things. But I think one of the craziest things out of every year is Black Friday. Like Black Friday. Has anybody been to like a midnight thing of Black Friday? Like right when you walk in like Target, Walmart. Y'all haven't been to Black Friday, bro. Me neither though. Because thank God. Because me, me, two of my sisters and my mom, we went to uh, a Black Friday thing. But we didn't go. We went at 3 a.m. in the morning. And there was still some stuff. But it wasn't as much. But I, okay. Don't ask me where I heard this or where this came from, but I've seen, I've heard a story about two moms on Black Friday fighting over a duck. Yeah, you've heard that? <laughs> they fought over a duck. Don't ask me how, where. I've seen, I've seen them fight over a duck. Seriously. Now, listen, if there, listen, if there's like a, if there's like a 70 inch Vizio TV screen with a Roku remote 4K for 200 bucks, dude, I'm copping that. I will fight anybody. I will, I will, I will fight anybody. But Black Friday is the most chaotic thing out of every year. I think they didn't really have Black Friday because of COVID and everything. So thank God we didn't have a crazy black. What? Oh, she did work about. Did they have people? Bruh, they probably didn't have the midnight thing. But um, but yeah, like Black Friday is always the craziest night. Like it's it's the craziest night of the year. It's always been chaotic. And if you can imagine Black Friday. I want you to ask that question. Do you feel like Black Friday is more chaotic than what goes on in your life? I'm flipping that flow right now. Do you feel like Black Friday has the same chaoticness that your life has, whether it's external or inside of you? Is that the same way? And I think, and I think sometimes we carry chaos. I don't say you carry chaos with you like naturally. You're not chaotic. I hope y'all are not chaotic. Y'all kind of are, but y'all not. But, 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 but sometimes we we like to carry chaos because some because these things that I just talked about, 
Those are burdens. All that stuff, doubt, fear, despair, those are burdens because we're trying to carry stuff. We're trying to carry despair. We're trying to carry all this stuff. And I want to show you this in, in, in these passages about chaos. Because like I said, in our lives, sometimes we feel like it's chaotic. How in the world, how can I slow down time while everything's going crazy? How can I try and see God if what's going on in the world? 2020 has been a crazy year with from the beginning, with COVID, like I said, it's crazy. So how can I slow down time if it's always going crazy? And it's so chaotic. And some of us can say our life feels that way. We feel chaotic. We feel that way sometimes. Do you feel like your life is at chaos all the time? I believe that Jesus can bring peace to your chaotic world if you open your heart to receive his peace. The last scripture I want to talk about is, is Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. What's awesome, I want to do this little reference. When I first preached here, before I was youth pastor, this was the, this was the scripture I used. And, and it's really like kind of monumental in a way, and I love it. But, but Matthew eleven twenty through 30 says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take ye up my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Many of us feel this way. In the chaos of life, we carry so much that keeps us scattered. The last thing we feel is peace. The last thing we feel is peace when it's so chaotic. Jesus offers us a gift of peace and rest when, he, when we come into his presence. I got a sermon illustration. Y'all bear with me. I have this backpack, and it has a 10-pound weight in it. So it's like, yeah. It's pretty heavy. Not really. It's 10 pounds. But, um, but this, is, this is like, this is the chaos that you carry. This is, the, this is the doubt that you carry. I want to end it with this. When I talk about focus, this is what you carry because this is what you focus on. This is what you're burdening. The burden is always a focus. So I'm carrying doubt. I'm carrying uh, despair. I'm carrying fear. And I'm carrying chaos. This is what I'm carrying. Maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's like, maybe it's like I feel like I carry my own struggles. I feel like I carry my own family because I'm so independent in a lot of ways. I feel like I have to carry everything in the house. As even as a kid, I feel like I feel like I feel like I carry my friendships. I feel like it's always not even a 50-50 thing. I feel like I carry everything in, in my friendships. I feel like I carry my relationship. My girlfriend doesn't care about me. All this stuff. And I'm carrying, I'm carrying what I'm focusing on. I'm focusing on that stuff. This is really, this is really exhausting. I'm carrying this stuff. Jaden, come up. I'm going to use you as an illustration. Come here. Get up here. Get up here. Y'all give a hand clap for Jaden. All right. Now hold this. This dude's strong. He got a six pack. Um, so, stop. Don't call him out like that. So, so, so. So you, you carry, it's pretty heavy, right? Just go with my illustration. So it's a bit heavier. So what I want you to do is just walk around the, the chairs. Go from here and walk all the way around and come back. You, easy, easy, easy clap, dog, easy. So he walks around, not like that, goofy. Go all the way around. 
all the way around. Sorry, I didn't explain it well. So he walks around, something that's a bit heavier. It looks, a little, it looks like it's heavy on you, dog. He's like, no, it's not heavy. But, but it's, a, it's, it's heavy weight. It's weight. And he's walking around. Keep going. You ain't stopping. Keep going. He's carrying weight. Yeah, pay attention to this. Watch this. This is about to be really, really good. God's about to speak to you right now. He's carrying what he's focusing on. He's focused on stuff that doesn't even matter. Like when he said it's not heavy. That's cap. Shut up. That ain't, that ain't, I love you. It's not, it's still heavy. Keep going, keep going, keep going. All right, Peyton, Pennison, give me some pieces of paper and crumble it up. Just some pieces of paper. I don't care what it is. Just don't let it be something important. I don't know. This guy's, oh, I could, I, hold on, y'all, y'all don't worry about that. I'm about to crush my notes. Michelle just gave me a good idea. Don't, I'm going to crush my notes. Keep going. He's carrying weight. Listen, y'all listen to this. Y'all listen to this. He's carrying weight. He keeps going. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen, 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 listen. Y'all pay, pay attention. Yeah, yeah, keep running. Start running. I want him to get exhausted because this is what life brings. This is what life brings is the weight of the world. Look at that. Look at that. He's going to get exhausted, I promise. He's just, he's trying to look like a bad, he's a bad boy. Keep going. <laughs> Go around one more time. All right, stop running so Yeah, Peyton, stop running so hard. All right, stop. All right, relax. All right, stand right here. Stand right here. So he's carrying, so no matter if it's heavy or not, he's carrying weight. He's carrying weight. We carry, don't take it out yet. Don't take it out yet. You're gonna, this is going to be a good illustration. Just watch this. But he's caring. He's focusing on this. What he's doing is that he's not, he's not focusing on, he's trying not to, because some of us want the chaos to leave. And we want, we want, we want, to, be like, we want to be like this. Chaos, leave. Or, or doubt, leave. We want to do that. We want that to happen. We want to pull it out and be like, doubt, leave. Uh-uh. We, want, we want doubt and all that stuff to leave. But, but we think we can take it out ourselves. Nice. All right, open up my bag again. Not that part. Yeah, that part. It's back in there. Now watch this. Okay, so hold your hand like this. Just put that, put that away. Put that, yeah, put that. No, no, no. Grab the top like this. Grab the top like this. Now grab the bottom. Grab the bottom. Grab the bottom. Yeah, grab the bottom. Now dump it. Not, not that heavy. <laughs> not that heavy. Now, yeah. <laughs> Now, now flip the bag back up. Put the bag back where it was. Exhibit A. <laughs> but check this out. You pay attention. Listen, listen, listen. This is important. This is important. I'm about to finish. Y'all can go home. Finish. I'm about to finish this. It's different because the Bible says Jesus, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what does that mean? He can literally throw this and it'll just fly a little bit and then fall down. It won't go that far. Because if it's heavy, it would have gone farther. But throw it. He threw it far enough. Now go get it. <laughs> go get it. But like I said, let me, finish, let me finish with this. Let me finish with this. The burden changed because he focused on something different rather than what he was dealing with. See, this is your situation. This is your situation. But if you ask God to give you peace, to give you joy, to give you hope, when you ask for these things, when you focus on that stuff, I'm going to focus on joy. I'm going to focus on peace. 
I'm going to focus on the goodness of God. That is where this flaps out. Now, now, do, the, now do the thing again. Do the thing again. Like I told you, the, 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 you know how I, Remember what I just showed you? The flap, how you dumped it? Do the dump. No. This dude, this dude's a bad illustrator. Come here. Do like I did. Hold it from the top and then hold it from the bottom and dump it. That's what you focus on. That's the focus. Now put that back in there. That is the focus. All right, now put that back. Now go sit down. Appreciate you. All right, y'all give a handcuff for Jaden. Thank you, buddy. Now go sit. Sit. He had that a good illustration. But, but like I said, it was what he focused on. Y'all listen, I'm almost done. This is what he focused on. Yo, yo, stop, stop. Seriously, seriously. This is what he focused on. Because he was so focused on the situation, he wasn't focusing on what was true. Because we think joy is a feeling. We think peace is a feeling. We think it's comfort. We think, we think hope is a feeling. We think all this stuff, we have to feel it. But if you focus on joy, if you focus on peace, if you focus on the goodness of God, if you focus on these things and you ask that God, lift this load, all you have to do is rearrange your focus. Rearrange your focus. And stop focusing on the situations. Stop focusing on ballots and stuff like that. Stop focusing on COVID numbers. Focus on God. God wants, his, he wants you to have his attention. He wants you to have attention to him. That's what he wants. He doesn't want you to have all this stuff that you have to carry, like, like six-pack did. You don't want to have that, that weight. God said he wants to rearrange your focus. He wants you to rearrange your focus. Everybody stand up. Can you shut, close down the lights a little bit for me? And if you want to come up, Felicia, you can play some music. As I said from the, the illustration of Mr. Ledger, um, Leger, whatever, whatever you say it, it's, it's what you focus on. If you're so focused on negativity, if you're so focused on comparison, if you're so focused on things that this world offers and you use it and it becomes your insecurity, you'll lose yourself. But I think God wants you to know that he wants you to focus on the things that he brought. He wants you to focus on the hope that he brings every, every day. He wants you to focus on the love that casts out all fear. He wants you to focus on, on the things that bring peace through chaos. Because some of us just know chaos. Some of us just know despair. It's just familiar. It's common to us. But I want God to rearrange your focus tonight. I want God to rearrange your focus tonight. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray for a specific group of people that, that you, you, you deal with, with doubt and you deal with fear and you deal with despair and you deal with chaos because it's all you know. It's all you know. And it's like, I can't serve, a, I can't realize there's a God out there that has hope for me and all this stuff. I'm just carrying too much. God wants to lift the load and rearrange your focus. He wants to rearrange it. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, no distractions. I want to give you guys this moment. If that's you, if you're struggling with those things and you want to refocus and say, God, I want to give you my attention. I want to give you my focus. I don't want to focus on this stuff anymore. It's too much for me. I want to focus on your burdens that are easy and light.
if that's you, if you want to focus on God again, every head bowed, every head closed, in this moment, I want you to slightly just raise your hand. If you want to focus, I see your hand. If you want to focus on the things of God rather than the things of this world, I want you to raise your hand. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. I see another hand. Thank you, Lord. Keep your hand raised. I want to see. I promise you, this is not embarrassment. This is you acknowledging that, God, I want to focus on you. Thank you. I see your hands. Now, I'm going to pray for you guys. We're not going to do an altar call, but I, want, I do want to pray for you guys. Me and my volunteers are going to pray for you in the, in the spirit, but, but, but I, want, I want to let you know that if, I could, if you could leave with one thing tonight, with one word, that God wants you to do tonight is refocus. You need to refocus on what God says about you and not what the world says about you. He wants you to refocus on the things of him and not of what the world gives because it's not satisfying anymore. He wants you to focus on him. Every head bowed, every eye closed, the ones that raise their hands, I wanna pray over you and then I'm gonna pray over everybody and then you guys can uh, leave. Thank you, Jesus, for the people that raised their hands in acknowledgement of surrender, of saying, Lord, I'm tired of focusing on the things that don't matter, that the distractions that, that, don't, that don't give any, any weight to what I need to do. Lord, I want to know what you want me to do. <clears throat> I want to surrender my focus to you. So, Lord, I ask, Lord, the people that raise their hand, Lord, that they would refocus to anyone in here who didn't but wanted to raise their hand, Lord. I pray that you acknowledge them, that they want to rearrange their focus on you because things of this world don't matter. It's not bad to be in the world, but it's even worse to be of it. But, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you rearrange our focus to the goodness of who you are and to the love, joy, peace and hope that you bring and the love that you bring. Father, I pray for every student in here that has heard this message. Father, I pray that it doesn't go upon deaf ears, that they just don't go home and just do whatever. Lord, I pray that this sinks within their heart, sinks within their mind, and that they talk about this in their hearts. And Lord, they think about these things and they ask, Lord, can I focus back on you? Can I focus back on you? Lord, we ask for this. And Lord, we praise you and we thank you for tonight. And we bless you and keep you, Father, all the days of our life. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.